0: As I get closer to where he went off the road, I see a big black shape in the middle of the road walking. So I have to slam on my brakes and try to swerve myself because this thing is walking in the center of the road. Because I don't see a head and I don't see arms, I just see a really big tall person, like big thick legs and a big thick torso, and they're moving very funny. But to be honest, I wish I had seen some of her her vulnerability. I wish I would have seen her in that space so that I would have language. And he says, no, 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 that's not why you're angry. That's why you're mad. Mad is on the surface. Mad is a surface emotion. You're angry and anger is deep. It cuts to your soul. You are an angry young man. And I, I didn't. I couldn't answer. I then had come to realize over the next course of, of a few hours, I'm musing to myself. And I realized I've been a victim my whole life. That's why I'm so angry. And over the course of the next 19 months, this man changed my life. He helped me to realize about processing emotion and how to forgive myself and forgive others. and. That's where the the metamorphosis really began for me. And I learned how to, I'm a survivor, right? I know how to survive.
1: I was understood for the first time in my entire life. And when I read those things and I learned, quote unquote, those things about myself that I had known forever, but never really had the semantics for... I couldn't unlearn them. Like it, I, I heard this quote years ago, and it resonated with me so much. And it's like you—you uh, you can choose to look the other way, but you can never again say you didn't know. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the show in 2024 and the long-awaited season two. I hope you like the new intro. I've been pretty busy in the studio, talking with new friends and guests that have a lot of real experiences to share. If you'd like to be on the show send me an email at verbalecho at gmail.com. So without any further delay let's get to it with this episode's guests. Hey happy President's Day weekend everyone. My guest today is Tyler Chapman and he's a ski patrol supervisor with Beaver Creek Ski Resort here in Colorado. He's here to take us behind the curtain and share what it's like to work in the snow sports industry, but I'll let him go into it all. So here we go for today's episode. Welcome to the Verbal Echo podcast. Today I have Mr. Tyler Chapman. He's a Beaver Creek ski patrol supervisor and part of the management team at Vail Resorts. Welcome, Tyler.
2: Welcome, Monica. Thank you for having me.
1: I'm so glad you're here. We were chatting a little bit ahead of time, and we got some snow last night. Yes. And so Tyler popped on with all of his gear on. (laughs) Um, So tell us about what it's like to be a ski patrol. Like, what's it like a day in the life?
2: Well, Monica, it's funny because I don't know where to start when you ask me that question because this has been my life really since I've been a child. Um, For me, it goes back to my father being a ski patroller. And I'm gonna kind of have a broad answer for you here. And I'm gonna kind of start in the beginning, if that's all right, because this is what it is for me. Um, Like I said, my father ski patrol, he still is for 46 years now. And my first experience as a patroller was through my father and hanging out um up at the ski patrol outpost at Mount Snow, Vermont, where my father still works. Um, and being a part of this patrol there and all of it, you know, seeing how patrollers uh, interact with one another and um growing up in that culture of, you know, working outside and you know, camaraderie, um with your team, solidarity. All that good stuff. Um, helping people is such a gratifying feeling for this role. And I think that's why, and you know, it's it's a lot of the inconsistency of when you go to work, you really don't know what your day is gonna bring every day. And and that's like it's not for everyone, you know, but it is something that I think a lot of individuals that find themselves in this career long term really thrive on you know, um, from one day to the next, you never really can tell. I mean, some days you kind of know, oh, I've got, I want to try and get this done or get that done. But ultimately you, you, you don't really know what your day is going to bring. But and yeah, maybe, you're I, dealing maybe with I, the
1: weather you're dealing with so many different factors.
2: <laughs> yes, for sure. And that's all part of it, working out in the environment. I mean, for us here in the Rocky mountains of Colorado, I mean, we see everything. Um, weather-wise, you know, we really do. Um, I guess we can follow back kind of more to my personal story, but a day in the life of ski patrolling, you know, we're up early um, and we're in bed early, you know, the alarm goes off sometimes. I mean, if we're in a snow cycle and we know we'll be up early, I mean, it can be, you know, 4.30, 5 o'clock, we're up looking at the weather, seeing how much snow we've, we've reported and then kind of formulating a plan from there. I mean, if we know we're we're gonna be hit with a big snow system. We're talking about it, you know, days, weeks in advance to prep for that. And we are starting to formulate plans around that. But if we're not getting snow, you know, our our normal time is to be in around seven. We have our morning meeting where the entire patrol gets together. Um, We meet and then here at Beaver Creek, we have five different outposts that the patrollers all spread out to. you know, whether we have call outs or not, you know, we make sure that the team is ready to go for the day. Um, Safety is always a big part of what we talk about within the patrol world. Just with the exposures that we see as ski patrollers, it is a very dangerous job at times. Um, So we wanna make sure that everyone is, has a safe day at work and is able to get home safe. That's always the top priority for us. Um, But once we get out there, we basically check the mountain after the groomers have been out there. I mean, early season, We're sometimes chasing the snowmaking and then letting the grooming team do what they have to do to prep the slope. And then we're kind of the final eyes that get on that terrain to open it. Um, Obviously, we, we rely on mother nature. Everyone loves to ski powder. And, you know, I wouldn't say that's any different for patrollers. You know, I think it's a big reason why people want to take the job is to be able to work on their skis. But once we check the trails, we make sure we're set medically with all of our medical gear and. You know, there's a, a dispatcher. I know it's kind of different per mountain, but we have a dispatch team up at the ma- top of the mountain that's starting the day and getting that side of it. So it's almost like when you call 911, it might go to your local community, the 911 dispatcher for the police office, but then it gets sent over to us if it's on the mountain, and we communicate with them. Um, they give us the information they have when an accident calls in and dispatch receives it and then depending where it is on our mountain the dispatch will call the location that that accident's at and then they'll send a patroller um but once we get the mountain kind of set up for the morning you know we're kind of we do a lot of training too so it kind of depends what kind of day we're having we are constantly training on all facets of the job but um if we're not training you know sometimes we have decks to shovel we have toboggans to take care of like all the stuff you see out on the hill, snow fence, rope and bamboo. Like we make sure a lot of pads, all the pads that are on the mountain are pretty much our responsibility. So when we are getting snow, we have to uh, do a lot of maintenance in regards to making sure that they're where they should be. Um, But yeah, I mean, then we're kind of just skiing around. We we definitely try to interact with the guests as much as we can, you know, especially here at Beaver Creek. We are definitely a family mountain, but we pride ourselves on the guest experience, you know, I like to think, after being here for 25 years, that the experience that you're getting at Beaver Creek is going to be unlike any other experience that you'll get anywhere else, you know. And I, I pride myself on that. Um, we're trying to definitely make sure that the new generations of patrollers come in understand the importance of that for Beaver Creek, you know. But making sure, I mean, even coming up this morning, I had a, a mother who. Sometimes you can just tell from the expression on somebody's face that they are looking for something, you know. And I asked this lady, "Hey, what what can I help you with?" And her husband wasn't far away, and their two kids. And she was like, "You know, we're just looking for a place to have breakfast." And I gave them their two options. And you know, what she said to me, "She's like, what is going on around here? Everyone is so nice." They were from Pittsburgh, and I was like, "You know." I'm so glad to hear you say that one. I I do kind of feel like it's the culture in Colorado, at least, you know, we're all here for the same reason to enjoy the outdoors and be in the mountains. Um, But it's the simple things sometimes, you know, when you're able to help somebody with a question like that and point them in the right direction, you know, To and that's what kind of what I told her. I'm like, listen, I'm here to make sure that you have a good time while you're on vacation. And she was like, well, thank you so much. She was very appreciative. And her husband was too. And giving them just options of where they can go get some food before they start their day on the mountain, you know? Um, but with That's that so said, cool. yeah,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, no, it's good. Monica. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I can, uh, it, you're, yeah, you're, you're providing a safety service, but you're also kind of like the beacon of customer service too. You're, you know, you're out there, you're, you're being a point of contact for those that are trying to enjoy a, a good time. And especially with their families and such. Yeah,
2: no, for sure. And I mean, I can kind of continue on like what the day is kind of like, you know, because we always have to make sure that we have people high up on the mountain. So if somebody does get hurt, that we have people to respond, but we're just continuing to be out there with the guests, interacting, making sure, you know, we have kind of a a few um, asks of our employees. So if we see somebody, I mean, we're not doing as many trail maps anymore with people's phones, but if we see people looking at their phones or people... Like I said, sometimes you can just tell when somebody is looking for the answer to something. If somebody's sitting down in the snow, we try to go up to them or see if we can ask them, hey, are you all right? Do you need anything? You know, we do some meet and greet out at the top of the chairs. Like These are just kind of things that we'll do as we're kind of interacting with the guests throughout the day. But then as the day starts to wind down, you know, as we're closing train, then we will go through and basically sweep all the train that is open just to make sure that it's clear and no one's kind of left out on the mountain. Now, I know I kind of bounced around there. I, I kind of started more to my childhood, but then went to a little bit more of like what the day is like. But yeah, I mean, listen, people ask me too when I ride the chairlift, like, oh, you know, you're so lucky. And, and a big part of my job is having gratitude for being here and being able to do it, you know, because it is. I'm like, well, welcome to my office, you know? And I feel so fortunate to uh, be able to call, you know, Colorado, the Rocky Mountains, the White River National Forest, my office cuz truly it is and and I try to remember that every day when I get up and have gratitude towards the environment for the people you know um the infrastructure that we have um Beaver Creek Bell Resorts all of it I'm very lucky to kind of be able to to live my life the way I have for the last 25 years
1: thanks for sharing that um i guess that bounces into my next question is when did you want to when did you know you wanted to be a ski patroller, you know, how, as far as like your childhood or yeah. early adulthood? When did that start?
2: Well, so, and I, I guess that kind of goes back to how maybe I originally started your first question, which maybe wasn't the right answer, but, you know, I didn't know when I, I grew up in Brattleboro, Vermont. Um, my family didn't have a ton of money. I went to a, after graduating high school, I went to a small state school, uh, Johnson state in Northern Vermont. And I spent a year there and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was studying liberal arts and, you know, I was like having conversation with my parents throughout the year, feeling like I was struggling, not really knowing what I wanted to do. And I finished that first season or the first school year and went home and I was kind of struggling with choices, you know, and I still like feel for the youth at that point in anyone's life, you know, you feel like the world is on your shoulders and you're like, what, do what, the choices I make now are really going to define me for the rest of my life, you know, and since I've learned to like, you have time, you know, to figure it out. But my father was, you know, because like, I did, wasn't certain that I wanted to go back to school because I didn't know what I wanted to study. He's like, well, why don't you take a year off and come work ski patrol with me at Mount Snow? And he wasn't working full time at that point. He had a, a sales job, but he still worked kind of part time. And I basically went. Took the medical course which at the time and uh this would have been what 97 98 um i got my OEC, which is outdoor emergency care through the patrol at mount snow and i i basically worked one season there and who knew but it was like a perfect fit for my personality you know which i, I should at the time i guess i didn't really realize but I now that i look back it's like not a surprise to me just with i love the outdoors and being outside and like I said, helping people. So I put that first year in, and I think it was kind of a, you know, hook, line, and sink, or however you say it, like I was in love with the job after that first season, you know, so much so that then I was like, well, how can I further this? You know, I had never been out west before. Um, I had some friends after high school that moved out here and were going to either CU or the Colorado Mountain College up in Leadville, you know, and so I I, uh, came out here to basically visit them, but then I'd applied to a number of different areas out here. Um, I applied to Breckenridge, I applied to Copper, uh, Vale, and Beaver Creek. Um, I did have a connection here at Beaver Creek, but I was also intimidated at the time, being a, a kid from a small mountain in New England, All the size of the ski has always kind of intimidated me just with their size. And I think one of the things that attracted me to Beaver Creek was the fact that it was a little bit smaller. I was able to wrap my head around it at the time, you know, um, And then I started here in that uh, winter of 99, 2000. And that was my first season here. And once again, like I was just like a kid in a candy store, you know, kind of living in a snow globe of like, oh my God, I am so lucky, you know, to be out here doing this. And it's funny because as patrollers back in New England, they, we ski around or make sure we have our rain gears rubbers with us you know tops and bottoms and i remember at the time showing up on an accident back in vermont in a complete green you know like fisherman suit and they're like no i need ski patrol and i'm like well i am ski patrol i'm here to help you you know and i asked the, the gentleman that was working out here in colorado do i need to bring my rain gear and he's like no it doesn't rain and i think it rained like three times that first season i was here you know um but here i am then now 26 years later after, I mean, I'm 25 here at Beaver Creek that one year at Mount Snow and I don't have any regrets. I really don't, you know, I mean, I am able to live the life that I love, you know, and to what's the saying, when you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life, you know, and that is, it's not any more true than with me and the life that I live, you know.
1: That's so true. Did you have any anyone that was kind of your inspiration when you were younger and learning to ski?
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, my father was always a big inspiration to me in in regards to the fact that he did it. He was a respiratory therapist at our local hospital in in Vermont. And he kind of did this job throughout the eighties and nineties, but there were a number of people, I mean, from my younger years as a teenager back in Vermont to then coming out here um, and, the inspiration and the individuals that I learned from, um, here at Beaver Creek, you know, I could, I could name a few for sure. And these, these men and women, I mean, my boss right now, Addie McCord, she's been doing it 40 plus years. And I would say that she's a huge inspiration to me, you know, especially for a woman working as long as she has in a job when she started, that was really male dominated. And it still is today but you know I feel like for a woman to do this job they have to almost work harder than the average man you know in order to prove themselves you know and that's inspiring to me it is and we have a great relationship Addie and I um you know it's uh it's so funny it really is the personalities people have been saying you know we're all crazy in our own way but it it attract, this job attracts a lot of the same personalities. So, you know, it's all of us people that are, you know have this passion for the outdoors and wanting to help people, you know and here we are kind of, you know everyone has their own personality and you don't want it any other way. You know, it's such a great thing when you are able to put 40 different personalities together all unique in their own way and, you know Put us out on the mountain to help people and you know some it's like the whole blood sweat and tears it happens at times you know over my career you know but we we have such a good time and we really do love it we do
1: so how many how many people do you have on your team
2: uh i want to say we're like 82 right now we have a good size part-time staff um that's a big thing you know i mean but We Yeah, it's funny, people always want to move on, maybe to do something else, but they they never want to leave the patrol job, you know? So we have Mm -hmm. people that work for the police department, firefighters, Um, we have a paramedic program, people that work on the local ambulance, who have gone on to further themselves, which is always great. We never hold anyone back, we want people to follow their dreams, but a lot of these individuals can't let go of the job because people are so in love with it. So a lot of those types of individuals still work for us part-time. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Monica. I think you still might be muted.
1: Oops, sorry. Uh, so you have quite a few part-timers, um, quite a big staff, it sounds like. And that's just at Beaver Creek.
2: Yes, um, we're just Beaver Creek. We we do not right. go work bail. I mean, we will exchange like one or two day exchanges um, sometimes with other other resorts just to kind of see how some of these other areas do things um just to kind of bounce off and you know industry ideas whatever we're doing it's it's very similar though when you go from one ski area to another you know on how the job is being done there might be little things that they're doing differently but all in all it's very similar.
1: That jumps into another question that I was going to ask. So um what kind of training did you do to get started and do you have to continue doing as uh, you know, as a professional in this position. So like medical training or safety training or that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, for sure. And it kind of depends where you are in the world and what type of training you have to do, but I'll, I'll stick to Beaver Creek and where I am now and where I've been for the last uh, 25 years, but it, it'll start with the medical. The medical is the big thing. You know, we right now are accepting OEC, which is an outdoor emergency care. and We put our first year patrollers through that class. Um, it's an 80 hour class and it's more of a, it's similar to an EMT, but it's more of a rural setting. You know, it's um, kind of meant more on that extrication piece. It's actually been a part of the National Ski Patrol standard, which we are affiliated with for as long as I can remember. Um, but a, more and more people are going to their EMT and the EMT is more of that clinical setting. Um, more the urban side of it, but the, and it's it's about the same, but the EMT might be like a little bit more of a uh, medical training. And like I said, more and more people are kind of going towards that. But then the other like requirements for us is the lift evacuation, um, which has changed over the years, but per the tram board, whichever state you, patrollers are working in are required to perform an annual lift back training for their resort. So we have to do that basically um once before the summer season and then once for or i'm sorry once in the summer season if people if the resort runs their chair in the summer they have to do it in the summer and then once in the winter season before we start for the winter season um and then the only other like required well maybe maybe i misspoke there but is for if you if a scary it has avalanche control work and you have to have blasting licensed patrollers then there's a requirement for those blasters in order to keep current with their license, which we have a handful here. We're not a class A resort. We don't have a ton of avalanche terrain, but we still definitely have avalanche terrain and it, it can be a, a tricky part of the job, you know, when we're trying to open the avalanche terrain. We've seen avalanches inbounds, out of bounds. Um, and that's kind of what that team's a part of. I mean, other than that, there is some other miscellaneous training. I mean, we, we do a lot of training, we do. Um, there's a lot of training that the company requires now for us. Um, I won't go into a lot of that, but yeah, I mean, we, and I said it earlier, we continue with continuing ed, what we'll call medical or trauma drills that the entire patrol has to go through. Um, there is toboggan training, which once you kind of, after your first and second year get checked off on the advanced toboggan running, we still require that the patrol does an advanced toboggan run every year. Um, but like I said, we, we train a lot and lift a back throughout the season. We're training a lot medically throughout the season. Um, we make our first through third year ski patrols, give morning talks on different facets of what we do throughout the year, um, which are all trainings. We document all of our training anymore. Just, I mean, we're constantly training. We are, I mean, it's a six month a year job. So you got to picture it that way. Like you do any job for six months and do you feel like you have a, a good grasp on it probably not you know we we ask for a three-year commitment from any patroller that comes on because we feel that you can't really become a fully well-rounded patroller until after that third year you know just with it being kind of a seasonal position
1: so are there grades of ski patrollers um you know as far as like in the industry like yeah i mean I don't
2: I mean, I, I, you know, and I think this is, I don't want to misspeak for the Vale Resorts, you know, world, but I know here at Beaver Creek that we we have like an entry level patroller, then we have an intermediate patroller, then it's an advanced. And then we have like our, our team lead patrols, special skills. They're the ones that kind of run the outpost. And then there's a management team, which I'm a part of, you know, but we all work together and it's all about kind of just growing. And like, we pride ourselves here at Beaver Creek on uh, creating strong ski patrollers, you know? And I will say we've had a number of people start here but then move on, either move out to Utah or like other resorts in Colorado, you know? Um, The snow safety aspect, everyone's always into that part of it because we don't do a ton of it. We've lost a number of patrollers who wanna pursue their career in snow safety and move to other resorts that maybe have more snow safety. And like I said, we always want people to do what their dreams and passions are. And if that's being a part of this team, then that's great. But if they want to move on to do something else, then they have, we, we kind of promote that as well, you know?
1: So that's more per mountain is what you're saying, as far as the grades of ski patrolling. But, uh, so as an industry, are there different levels? Like, do you have to do like different certifications in the industry nationwide or anything like that? No, no it's just it, per mountain
2: it, yeah it's kind of local you okay know? and i know that vale resorts is definitely i think they're making an effort to kind of standardize what it is for them which is very helpful it is you know so that we're all kind of on the same page mm-hmm. you know they've done a great job they really have of like standardizing what we do for this company you know um i right. could go over i could go over to vale and help them with a lift back or they could come over here or you know if we end up over there like i know what they do enough to, to be able to be a support of a patroller you know if i was over there working for a day or you know keystone or breck i mean i'll kind of leave it to colorado but any of the resorts that the vale resorts has
1: so how do you so your job's about six months you know and a little bit longer probably as far as like getting ready to get the mountain started and everything but during your off season, during the summer, what, what is, what your summer look like? Like, how do you train? Do you do uh, different trainings during the summer that are required? Um, you know, what are your favorite activities? That sort of thing during the summer? Yeah. So I'm a, part I'm of
2: a the year round patroller. I am. Um, I work for Vail Resorts year round. Um, we do a summer patrol now, and we have a staff of about there's about 12 of us that are year round patrollers, um, but we do, we will get a little time in the off season. Once the mountain closes, um, we do what we'll call tear down, where we're kind of getting all of our stuff, the infrastructure that's out on the mountain for the winter season kind of gets put to bed for the summer season. And then once we do that, um, we all get anywhere from a couple of weeks to maybe a month off before we start. Um, sometimes, depending on how much snow we see in a season, it's hard for us to get up here and do any work in the summer because there's still so much snow on the mountain. Um, but we all try to decompress. Everyone kind of has their own way of going about what that is. Um, over the years, though, I mean, there's been trips to Cabo. Um, we we do a Westwater trip that's been happening off and on over the last 20 years where we'll go down and float the river Um the team is really made up of people that just love to be outdoors. We have a lot of golfers. There's a lot of bikers. There's a lot, a lot of whitewater enthusiasts, a lot of people that love to fly fish. Um, you know, but it's also a time I, I do think like for me, I'm in my mid forties. If I, if I'm taking free time, you know, I still have grandparents and family that I want to see, you know, so for me and where I'm at, that's definitely a priority for me at, at this point, but it's all about, finding what's right for you and how do you want to decompress after what can be a long season it can you know I don't think everyone realizes oh it's such a great glamorous job you know we don't have a choice to not put our boots on you know and if we always joke around that we could come up with a calendar of people's feet how beat up our feet get Uh,
1: (laughs) yeah not so glamorous but uh, (laughs) no it
2: It would be it would be kind of an ugly an ugly calendar, but
1: <laughs> you might sell a lot of that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Do a little fundraiser. Well, there are people I think have Instead of. A- <laughs> I love it. Oh man. Well, okay. So if there's anyone out there listening that um is younger and they might be interested in doing this for a job, what kind of advice would you give?
2: Well, once again, I'll just kind of plug what we do here at Beaver Creek. Like, if you're interested in becoming a ski patroller, it would behoove you to go get your EMT and start with that. Um, I mean, and this might seem kind of obvious to me, but you need to be an expert skier. Um, and I'm sorry to all the snowboarders out there, but we don't, we no longer hire snowboarders here at Beaver Creek. I know a number of resorts that still do, but it just kind of has to, Go with the topography of the terrain and whether or not whatever mountain you're interested at or getting a job at as a ski patroller allows that. So, I would research that for the borders whether or not they allow snowboarding for patrol. Um, but really, for us, like we'll start actually ski testing here in the coming weeks. So, we'll hold ski clinics, um, basically tryout clinics. I think we normally do anywhere from two to four of these where we get applicants that want to patrol and it's not for this season, but it'll be for next season. And so one, if you pass the ski test for us here at Beaver Creek, that is then like the first step in the process. Um, but how it works for us is if we have you know a full-time staff of 50 patrollers um, and it is a seasonal job, we don't know if all 50 of those full-time patrollers are coming back next year. And so what we'll do is we'll send a letter out. It's definitely getting earlier and earlier because people need to make plans, but we'll say early July, we'll send a letter out to that staff, to the entire staff who's planning on coming back for next season. And then once we are able to get those numbers that gives us an idea of how many patrollers we're hiring for next year. Um, But how we'll do it then is we've power ranked everyone just off their skiing ability and maybe a slight personality test of one, you know, okay, so we're gonna start with the top ranked candidate from the ski test and we'll call them and say, hey, would you like a job? You know, and that's how it goes here. I can't really speak to how that process happens at any of the other mountains, but in regards to, you know, wanting to be a patroller, reach out to your local patrols. I would only hope that any patrol at a mountain you would maybe want a job at would be kind and friendly enough to give you information on what that process is, if you are interested.
1: Right. That sounds like a great plan. And I'm sure there's a lot of young people out there that might be interested in that. They want to live this dream life. And, you know, it's uh, probably, you know, there's good and bad to everything. And I'm sure there's a lot of really great benefits and probably a lot of challenges too, especially if you want to live in Colorado, which, um, I've been up here for 30 years also in Colorado and it's uh it's a challenging place to live. So anyone listening um, it's not always easy. You have to be really creative. You have to be really resourceful. You have to lean on your family and friends. A lot of us don't have family up here. A lot of times it's, we're relying on our friends as family to make it. Um, so I think people, see us on the lifts and they think oh you're living the dream life but um it's not always that easy (laughs) it's still work (laughs) yeah yeah um well i was gonna ask you uh so we are in the white river national forest and you know we're you mentioned earlier before we started recording that we're really sharing this backyard with all of the creatures that live here and what could you recommend as far as safety, if people are and getting to enjoy this place and visiting here in this national forest, because we're really all sharing it. And what kind of safety tips could you give to guests?
2: Yeah, so like I had said earlier, you know, I mean, the wildlife was here long before we were, you know, and so we're honestly recreating in their, uh, in their home you know, and I know here in Colorado, the wolf topic is a hot one right now. Um, Sorry. Um, But really the thing thing with wildlife is to respect wildlife. Do not approach wildlife. Don't feed wildlife, you know, give them space. Remember that, that, you know, and I know everyone wants a picture and, you know, people, love to see it because it's not something they're used to seeing but they have instincts and you know you got to understand that they don't understand like maybe what we think we do as humans they're going to protect themselves they're going to protect their little ones whatever it may be and the best thing for us is to give animals space you know don't ever approach an animal you know you hear stories at a Yellowstone of like a family trying to help what looks like a, an injured baby of some kind. Like you, you never want to go do anything like that. They are meant to be living out in the elements and their mother and father, who the parents of these little babies are, are they'll be taken care of or nature will run its course. You know, I see
1: a baby, their mama's is always nearby.
2: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> especially
1: in the spring. Yeah, I cringe at those videos of Another person at Yellowstone trying to feed a buffalo. Yeah. Let's <laughs> just stop, stop.
2: Yeah, one hundred percent. Oh My gosh. don't be, don't be that person. Yeah, know.
1: don't end up on YouTube, right? Yeah. <laughs> be safe. Yeah. Well, so in the past, you've done avalanche safety seminars. Um, we'll put some links down. Tyler's got some pretty cool videos and um some content that he would love to share. Um, But let's talk avalanche safety real quick, Um, especially with with snow cycles coming up. And I know Colorado has been under a lot of pressure the past few years because we've had some really interesting, we've had like warming trends and then a lot of heavy snowfall. We've had a lot of people injured. What can you give for advice for people if they're interested in maybe learning more about avalanche safety? as a skier, whether they're in bounds or out of bounds.
2: Yeah, well, I'll just quick go back. Some of those videos that you might be posting might be a little out of date. So just remember that because uh, I've been definitely doing it for a while. And that's the thing with, with snow science, it is such a complex world and people will go to school for a long time to study it because it is so complex. Um, and the other tough thing, like you were talking about, how it can be hard to kind of get yourself established in a ski town to invest into the knowledge and the gear and all that. It's a big investment, but you kind of said it the educational piece. If anyone's interested in learning to travel in the backcountry, it's all about making sure you're informed and that you're educated and having the knowledge of what you're getting yourself into. Um, That is probably step one, you know, and then getting all that gear. I mean, if you're traveling outside the ski area, there's a a minimum amount of gear you should really have on you. Um, You know, avalanche transceiver, you know, I think they're four to $500 if you're gonna go buy one and it's not a small purchase, but how do you put a price tag on your life? Um, the big thing with transceivers though too is if you're going to go out and buy one you got to practice with it and i maybe didn't even bring that up as a lot of training we do a ton of training with our transceivers because it's one of those tools if just because you buy it doesn't mean you're like oh i'm good you've got to you've got to practice with it and know how to use that piece of gear um now going back you know a, a shovel and a probe are another couple pieces of requirement, something that's kind of been new throughout my career in the last, let's say five to seven years is the airbags. You're seeing more airbags. And once again, I mean, a shovel is gonna be $120, a pro probably around that much, an airbags probably close to a thousand dollars. I mean, and then with the technology of the uphill skis, which has gotten so much better. I mean, when I started, I think Alpine trekkers or tele skis were the only way to kind of go uphill, you know, even this, for the borders, even the split board technology wasn't great back in the late nineties, early two thousands. But then if you all add up all that gear, you know, you're looking at, you know, a couple grand there as well. You know, and I just say, it's it's not an e- easy thing to get into if, if you don't have the funds and it goes back to it, Monica, you know, I mean, you and I met through, I mean, it's a second job you know, we got to do what we got to do to kind of make this lifestyle work. Um, but the big piece is really that educational side of it. Um, and then like you, you also kind of mentioned inbounds, you know, skiing in the ski area, you know, there's the skier code that was on the napkins back in the day. And I think it's, it's posted around different locations. It's definitely on our website and here at Beaver Creek. And I know at any mountain, and those are kind of the, all the same i think it went from seven to ten this year um but one thing too is just like treating each other in the resort and anywhere with respect right and having a sense of humanity for one another you know that we're all out here for the same reason you know i want people to enjoy themselves i'm not here to ruin anyone's day but i just want to make sure if people are here skiing at a mountain or any mountain that they're doing it in a safe manner where one they're not going to get anyone else hurt, you know, but we don't want to see you get hurt as an individual, you know, to, so to ski and ride in an appropriate manner for one, the terrain. And for two, the, the types of conditions that you're seeing on whatever run you may be, you know, if you're on a ski run that is more crowded, then you have to ski differently than you would if you were on a run where you were the only one on that run, you know, was the run groomed? Was it not, are you skiing in moguls? Like the mountains really kind of, control how we have to control ourselves you know um, and with that you know I, it just goes back to everyone making sure that they enjoy themselves but that they do it in a way that it's as they're skiing and riding in a safe manner for everyone you know, right if want- you
1: uh, if you ski yeah. four days a year don't be a hero.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just,
1: right? have a good time, you know
2: well and that's okay i mean take a take three or four runs that first day and then go sit in the hot tub
1: exactly have a hot
2: chocolate or a beer whatever you're into no shame you're here
1: to you're here to enjoy the whole seven days not just the first day and then end up in a cast like have fun like nobody there's no judgment like just have a good time learn every if you're here on vacation Every week you're here, maybe take a lesson, you know, like learn, grow, be, enjoy your, enjoy your trip. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, and it's wild. Yeah. Like we're seeing more and more people, I think because of social media and YouTube and all of it, that, uh, people see it on YouTube and they're like, Oh wait, I want to go do that. But not really understanding that it takes a lot of practice, you know, education on how to become as a good skier or rider. Like it's not just something for most of us, unless you're like some amazingly gifted athlete that you just slap on a pair of skis and, or a board and all of a sudden you're some expert, you know? I mean, yeah. I've been skiing since I was four, you know, 40 plus years for me. And I still take lessons and still try to learn on how I can be better and think about lessons that I've taken on where my hands need to be, you know, where my hips and shoulders should be like while I'm skiing a run. Like no one is ever above any education with anything in life, if you want to continue to learn and grow, you know, as a young adult or as a, a child up through middle age. And as we get older, I think it's important to kind of always keep that open mind.
1: And that is some great advice from Mr. Tyler Chapman. <laughs> well, so winding this down, do you have any um, projects, any excitement coming up for the rest of the ski season? Any Anything, any trainings, anything you're going to offer to the public or be a part of?
2: Well, for me personally, so we do have an exchange with the resort over in France, Plan. I'll put a plug in. That's a great area. If you're ever looking to go travel into Europe, I would definitely recommend that resort. But we have our French exchange here. And my wife and I are taking our French exchange patroller up to Jackson Hole next week. So I'm really looking forward to that. There's a ton of, they've been getting a ton of snow up there. So personally, I'm looking forward to heading up there, skiing with him, showing him a good time. Um, But then here at Beaver Creek, what we have President's Weekend coming up, which is always a big weekend, I know in the ski industry as a whole. And then the following weekend here at Beaver Creek, we have the Talents Challenge. I know if anyone that's listening is local kind of to Beaver Creek, this is always a fun event for a lot of people. Um, to come up and try to i think it's 13 runs now Um, it's the runs between larkspur grouse mountain and birds of prey and i've done this a couple times over the years since this event has started it's definitely a challenge hence the reason they call it the talents challenge but it's all of our advanced terrain it's a lot of mogul skiing and to get these 13 runs in i don't know what we have planned for details at this point but i know it should be a fun weekend and that Uh, It always brings people out too. Hopefully the weather's nice. Maybe we'll get some snow, soften it up for folks, make it a little easier on people's bodies.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for sharing this. This It's been really fun. And uh, I mean, the biggest thing I could say from this information is, hey, be safe out there.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Monica. I appreciate you having me on, asking me to come on and all of it. It's been a treat for me as well. But, and you're right, that that's really what it is. You know, we, we want people to come out, enjoy the sport, wherever you're at, anywhere in the world. It's so fun. I recommend it, it's such a great way to spend time with friends and family, um, to get out and breathe the fresh air that mother nature has, but just to do it in a safe manner. You know, we all want to live to ride that next day and that next season, go home to our families safe and sound. Love it. Thanks, Tyler. Thank you, Monica. You have a good day.
1: Hey, thanks for listening today to another great episode. I sure enjoy hearing about these experiences, and I hope you do also. Be sure and like or follow this show by leaving a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. If you have an experience or story you'd like to share, be sure and reach out to echo at gmail.com. See you in the next episode, friends. Have a great week.